Good morning. My name is Kurt. I'm one of the pastors here. Welcome to Bridgewater Church. So good to have you here with us this morning on this beautiful, it's still summer. Even though school started, it is still summer. Um, I would have to pull myself together after uh, hearing the stories about what God has done in people's lives. Um, Just awesome to see what God is doing. Um, And as we get started this morning, um, we are entering football season. And how many of you are pumped about football season? Uh, Okay, a little bit, a little bit. All right. Um, As we think about that, I'm reminded of when I played football back in high school. Okay, don't laugh. I I did actually play football in high school. Um, Our our team that we played on was not traditionally very good. And as we entered that season, my friend Joe and I had just, uh, we had committed our lives to following after Jesus wholeheartedly. And we were inviting people to youth group and uh, we were at... uh, just trying to lead the team, and uh, my friend Joe was a captain, and, and he, would, he would lead the team and, and pray before every game at our, at our public school. And, you know, during that year, we just felt there was a sense of uh, connectedness and, and togetherness that we, we, we felt on that team as we worked together for one common goal, you know, people don't like to say it, but you, like you work to try and win, right? You know, and so we did want to win, but it, it, that... We also worked together to do the right thing, the next right thing, to have good sportsmanship and to play together as a team. And it was very rare to see at a public school that you're praying before a game. Um, so that year, uh, we, had, we had a very good season. We ended up going 7-3. Uh, and three. We were just short of making the playoffs. And... And that was a great thing about it, though. Even though we were, you know, we were winning games, a part of that, a lot of that had to do with the togetherness and the connectedness that we had on the team. Um, and even going up against all odds sometimes and overcoming adversity. And one game, it was coming up, it was less than four minutes to go in the game, and we were down 21 to 6. You thought, yeah, they're done, right? Um, so what ended up happening is, we fought back, and we came back, and we scored two touchdowns and had two two-point conversions, and we ended up coming back and winning the game 22 to 21. And we're all, yeah, you know, we were really pumped. But, but looking back at this, this game and, 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 and that time, like, it was exciting to win games, but more exciting than that was what I remember was being a part of a team that was intent on one purpose and that was connected, and you know what? We fought for one another. Like, those are the things that really stuck with me um, when we played that year. And that leads us to the core value, Bridgewater's core value that we're going to be talking about today as part of our This Is Us series, and that is Life is Better Connected. If you hadn't seen the big massive sign out in the lobby, that's what it's there for. Life is Better Connected. And so we're going to start out by going into the book of Colossians chapter 2. It will be up on the screen here, too, um, beginning in verse 1. It says, I want you to know how hard I am contending for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not met me personally. So here, this is the Apostle Paul talking to 
the believers in Jesus at the city of Colossae. So the word that he uses here when he says contending is the idea of fighting. It's the idea of participating in intense competition in order to win. In order to win, one needs to spend years and years of practice, whether it's the Olympics, whether it's some sort of sport, whether it's something like that, but years and years of practice to try and win. And Paul is saying that he's spending emotional energy on his prayer for these believers here in Colossae. He's praying for them, and he's giving them these words to help to guide them and to show that he's fighting for them. And when we are contending or fighting for someone, we want them to win in life and in following Jesus. Because life is better... Life is better when we fight for one another. Life is better when we fight for one another. We are all naturally bent towards selfishness. We want our needs met. We want others to make us feel good. We want to feel like we matter. But sometimes those that we're close with or those that we say that we care about the most, sometimes they tend to hurt us the most or we tend to hurt them the most. What I always like is when I can take an application about fighting for one another and I can use another passage of scripture to do that. And I want to give some detail using um, Romans 12, 10 to 16 to explain what some of that means, fighting for one another. Romans 12, 10, be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. So there are several things within this passage that talk about how we should treat one another. And these are ways that we could fight for one another. It's very practical. We fight for one another by thinking of others before ourselves, by practicing hospitality, by caring for them, by blessing, choosing to bless them rather than curse them, to say good things that build them up rather than tear them down. We don't let our pride get in the way and think that we are better than, that we're better than others. We don't say, I don't want that person in my small group. No, we're willing to associate with anybody, and we're willing to love on anybody and show them the love of Jesus. We choose to fight for one another. That is why, one of the reasons why I find sports so fascinating I experienced what I did in high school. And, but here, here you have a group of people. They may not get along otherwise, but once they find one goal and one purpose, they come together and they can accomplish amazing things. One, one thing that I remember is uh, the movie Remember the Titans. Now, Remember the Titans, if you haven't seen it, um, so it takes place... It's based on a true story, 
takes place in um, Alexandria, Virginia in 1971. And this was a football town. It was all about football. I mean, football was greater than, than Christmas um, there. It was everything was football, and you, everything rose and fell on uh, football. But then the local school board had all integrated all the blacks and all the whites within one school. And this shook the foundation because of the racial problems at the time. But what happened in this movie is they came together and they beat these amazing odds. And what happened was the, their, their focus on, on winning became more important than their racial bias. And then that, fell, that ended up falling by the wayside and they became close like brothers. And it's a great, uh, great story and, and of, of becoming unified for a purpose and letting the hate fall to the side as a result. And if we're going to be unified in this fight that we call life, we must fight for one another because we have a greater purpose than how we feel at a given moment. We often want to give up in this fight of life because we're going through maybe some difficulties. And then sometimes on top of all that, we're going through all that. And then the people that are closest to us, they put us down or they talk behind our back rather than be in the trenches with us and work together with us for a common goal. I'm going to share with you this morning a clip uh, from the movie uh, Facing the Giants. So, Coach, how strong is Westview this year? A lot stronger than we are. You already written Friday night down as a loss, Brock? Well, not if I knew we could beat them. Come here, Brock. You too, Jeremy. What, am I in trouble now? Not yet. I want to see you do the death crawl again, except I want to see your absolute best. <laughs> <laughs> what, you want me to go to the 30? I think you can go to the 50. The 50? I can go to the 50 if nobody's on my back. I think you can do it with Jeremy on your back. But even if you can, I want you to promise me you're going to do your best. All right. Your best. Okay. You going to give me your best? I'm going to give you my best. All right, one more thing. I want you to do it blindfolded. Why? Because I want you giving up at a certain point when you can go further. Get down. Jeremy, get on his back. <laughs> I get a good tight hold, Jeremy. All right. Let's go, Brock. Keep your knees off the ground. Just your hands and feet. There you go. A little bit left. There you go. It's going to be good effort. That way, Brock. You keep coming. There you go. It's a good start. A little bit left. A little bit left. There you go, Brock. Good strength. That's it, Brock. That's it. Better the 20 yet? Forget the 20. You give me your best. You keep going. That's it. No, don't stop, Brock. You got more in you than that. Hey, done. Just rest in a second. You got to keep moving. Let's keep moving. Let's go. Don't quit till you got nothing left. There you go. Keep moving. Keep moving. Keep moving, Brock. That's it. You keep driving. Keep your knees off the ground. Keep driving it. Your very best. Your very best. Your very best. Keep moving, Brock. That's it. That's it. That's it. Keep going. 
Don't quit on me. Keep going. Keep driving. Keep your keep your knees off the ground. That's it. Your very best. Don't quit on me. Your very best. Keep driving. Keep driving. There you go. There you go. That's it. You keep driving. Keep your knees off the ground. Keep driving. Don't quit till you got nothing left. Keep moving, Brock. That's it. That's it. That's it. Keep going. I want everything you got. Come on, keep going. It hurts. Don't quit on me. You're very bad. Keep driving. Keep driving. There you go. There you go. He's heavy. I know I'm, he's heavy. I'm bad out of strength. Then you negotiate with your body to find more strength, but don't you give up on me, Brock. You keep going, you hear me? You keep going. You're doing good. You keep going. Do not quit on me. You keep going. It hurts. I know it hurts. You keep going. You keep going. It's all hard from here. 30 more steps. You keep going, Brock. Come on. Keep going. Burn. And let it burn. Are burning. It's all hard. You keep going, Brock. Come on. Come on. Keep going. You promised me your best. Your best. Don't stop. Keep going. Too hard. It's not too hard. You keep going. Come on, Brock. Give me more. Give me more. Keep going. 20 more steps. 20 more. Keep going, Brock. Give me your best. Don't quit! No! Keep going! Keep going! Keep going! Don't quit! Don't quit! Don't quit! Rock Kelly, you don't quit! Keep going! Keep going! Go, Rock Kelly! You don't quit on me! No! You keep going! You keep going! Go, Rock! Ten more steps! Ten more! Ten more! Ten more! Keep going! Don't quit! Give me your Look up, Brock. You're in the end zone. Brock, you are the most influential player on this team. If you walk around defeated, so will they. Don't tell me you can't give me more than what I've been seeing. You just carried a 140-pound man across this whole field on your arms. Brock, I need you. God's gifted you with the ability of leadership. Don't waste it. Coach? Can I count on you? Yes. Coach? What is it, Jeremy? I want a 160. How many, raise your hand if you think that life is easy. All right, no one, so I'm assuming no one thinks that, right? All right. Man, but how about having somebody next to you or a group of people next to you rooting you on in life? People that you can, you can share things with and you can be challenged to grow and, and, and reach those goals 
Just imagine that. So, how do we fight? Well, number one, we pray and we pray a lot. We give each day over to Jesus. We commit our lives to him on a daily basis. We ask questions about our personal walk and our next steps with Jesus. We ask other people questions about their walk and their next steps with Jesus. We invest in their lives. We get down and dirty wherever they're at. When there's a need, those who are connected with that person steps in and they help. I've seen this applied in a small group setting on many occasions. That there's a need, there's a struggle. A call goes to the group. The group prays with them. They encourage them with the word. They pull money together for them. And they encourage them to take their next steps together. Not something you have to do by yourself. You know, the strongest connections and bonds are formed when we walk through difficulty together. When we fight for one another, both sides are encouraged. And we have this sense of team that we, pushes us further than we could ever thought we could accomplish. We overcome more than, and more than we ever thought possible. And that leads us to our next point here, that life is better when we encourage one another. Life is better when we encourage one another. Verse 2 of Colossians chapter 2. My goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ. To be encouraged in heart here as the idea of a person related to, related to his own value. As a result of the conversation that you're having in small group or you're having individually with someone, that person's value is upheld. When someone feels that, it means that they feel like they have worth. And then they're more willing to learn and to grow. I think Ephesians 4, 29 to 32 illustrates the need for this. Do not let an unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as Christ forgave you. Often a statement that, that, I'm, that people hear me saying is that people don't care how much you know till they know how much you care. And that's a reality. But so often I hear people say a statement like this. This is just who I am. I've learned that life is short, so I'm going to speak my mind. That is not what the scripture is saying here. God's word challenges us to have our words build others up and not tear them down. In fact, it says when we use words to tear others down that it grieves the spirit of God. I love this here in verse 31 because it talks about, all right, get rid of all bitterness, anger, brawling, slander, every form of malice. So basically it covers everything whether you're thinking it or whether you're doing it, the scripture says stop it. 
Instead, we're to replace it, to challenge, uh, it cha- the scripture challenges us to be compassionate with one another, forgiving each other. Why? Because Christ forgave you. So we then forgive one another. To be connected means to be encouraged in the person that God has made us to be. So far, the first two points we've gone over here address wins that we talk about in small groups here at Bridgewater. Recently, we did a survey in small groups. And in that survey, survey, the most common thing that was said about small groups is that people felt like they were connected. They felt like they were part of the group. They felt like they belonged. When we fight for one another, when we are encouraging each other, people could feel like they belong and they have an openness to grow and to change. And that leads us to our next part. This leads us to building roots. Life is better when we grow with one another. Life is better when we grow with one another. I'll read verse 2 again and then through verse 7. My goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I tell you this so that no one may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. For though I am absent from you in body, I am present with you in spirit and delight to see how disciplined you are and how firm your faith in Christ is. So then, just as you have received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. So in this passage, it has the idea of having a more and complete knowledge of who God is and having that personal relationship with him in contrast to ignorance and not truly knowing God. In our world today, we don't just go out, at least I hope we don't, we don't just go out and look for all the wrong things to do in order to know what's right. Let me try and do all the wrong things, then I'll know, right? No, we want to try and move to an understanding of who God is and experience him personally in our lives and know what he wants for us. For example, if you're trying to determine what a genuine $100 bill looks like, you don't go and try and find all the fake $100 bills, right? That's not going to do you any good, right? You're going to come back to a real genuine $100 bill and you're going to study it. You're going to study it well and know every intricate, intricate detail of that $100 bill so that when you see a fake, you can spot it. You know that's not a real one. And as I've spoken about in previous messages, we live in a world of expressive individualism, a world where each person defines what is true. So someone could just say something, and that just becomes true, even if it's really not. In this kind of world, it becomes that much more important for us to know and understand what the truth is. And we find that truth in God's word. And God helps us to know him as we read it. <clears throat> I'm going to go and take you to Psalm 1 because that's what it's talking about here in Psalm chapter 1, verses 1 to 3. 
Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season, whose leaf does not wither, whatever they do prospers. And in this psalm, it speaks of being blessed. If we do not choose to walk in the way of the wicked, but we delight in God's word. By delighting in God's word, we, what happens is it creates roots. We see from this passage the roots that were alongside of the water created fruitful trees because they were close to the source of life, which is water. The same is true in our walk with Jesus. It's not just about knowing what to do. It's about delighting in God and who he is and his word and having that be the foundation of the way that we think, the way we act, and the way that we feel. But how can we do this alone? We can't. We just simply can't. And we're not intended to. What will happen is we'll get inside our own heads and we'll convince ourselves that we're not worth it or God should choose another person to follow him because we're just not enough. Or we'll be so consumed in our sin and we won't be challenged to repent, to turn away from our sins. But really, this is the point. We're supposed to come to the conclusion that we're not enough so that we can be made complete in our weakness. Then the work can be done by God in, in and through us. And we can boast in him and not in ourselves. So what does being connected have to do with all this? Some of you made some comments about my shirt that I'm wearing this morning. It's got the circle and the greater sign and a bunch of lines here, right? Um, I'm going to read this quote to you, which should explain it, but then I'll, then I'll tell you exactly what it means. Um, so this quote is from Andy Stanley. Uh, he's a pastor at uh, North Point Church. He says this. Let's say that something happens to me, all the staff, and all the buildings simultaneously explode. Let's make it worst case scenario. There's no staff, there's no buildings, and there's no me. Here's what would happen. On Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday of the following week, thousands and thousands of adults would gather in homes all over the city and pray together and do Bible study together and take care of whatever family members are left over and the church is going to go on. Because at the end of the day, circles are better than rows. And from day one, we've committed to creating a culture that's all about circles and not rows. We are famous for our rows, but the strength of our churches is what happens in circles. So, hence, circles are greater than rows. All right? So whoever was wondering, that can, you can now relax. Um, circles are greater than rows. I mean... I love, don't get me wrong, I love Sunday mornings and I love what God is doing here on on a Sunday morning and there is growth and there's great things happening. I love the worship. I I love the, well, I love the preaching, (laughs) even when it's, you know, whoever is preaching. Um, Phil did an excellent job last week. Um, And, you know, it's just, it's fantastic, but the reality is the growth that that God wants to do in our lives happens more in circles. It happens by us being connected in groups. 
Um, so here at Bridgewater, we take a look at the small groups. We try and look at what the wins are. So first of all, wins are, number one, connecting. A win for small group is connecting. So that covers two of our points this morning. We fight for each other, and we encourage each other. That's what, where connecting can happen, where people feel like, hey, this is a place where I can be, where people like care about me, and they want me to do well in life. I like it. I want to be connected. I want to come more often. And then the next one being next steps. And that's our, our third point, to grow with one another. That might be, maybe, maybe you don't know Jesus. That might mean coming to know Jesus. That might be getting baptized or beginning to serve, learning and understanding the Bible, uh, learning how to pray, learning how to share your faith. And we could go on and on about different next steps that you can take in your walk with Jesus. But the final one there is multiplication. And what I put there was come and see. Just like Phil shared last week about the Samaritan woman he told all the people in the town to come and see this Jesus who told me everything about myself. We need to do the same thing. Sometimes in my experience in church, it has been, let's live the Christian life. Oh yeah, and don't forget to share about Jesus with other people. The idea of multiplication is not an addition to our building roots or our growing in our faith or growing with one another. It's a, it should be a natural outgrowth. If we only learn about the Bible and it does not move us to action to want to know others to know him, then we are stagnant in our walk with Jesus. We share a story about what Jesus has done in our lives and then we invite someone in. We invite them to say, come alongside. Hey, look what Jesus did in my life. Look what Jesus can do in your life. So come and see. So as we wrap up with this final application here today. I realize that small groups is not the only application to this, um, but it is one of them. And so the first one is experience life in a small group. We have tables out there. Please sign up or take somebody's, a leader's card. But don't just sign up. Come to the small group. Come consistently, get involved, engage with the group. Don't just show up because it's not just about showing up. It's about desiring to grow in our walk with Jesus and that personal relationship. And if we value, we value that, then we're going to value connection because connection with others that are following after Jesus helps us pursue Jesus. It helps us in our own personal walk with him. And the second one there is have someone over, go for coffee, you know, go axe throwing, you know, whatever it might be. Um, go out to for dinner or lunch, but ta spend time with someone on an individual basis. Um, maybe someone's not ready to attend small group and you want to take them out and get to know them and so they can feel more comfortable. And the third one there is to call, text, email, snail mail, you know, remember that. Right? I, I don't know. I still love getting a letter in the mail. Isn't that great? Like if it's not a bill, like it just, it's <laughs> wonderful. Right? So connect that way. Um, 
that, you know, sometimes I, if, if I'm trying to connect with someone, I'm not getting anywhere. Sometimes I'll just settle on texting, although I prefer, like, phone call or face-to-face. But, but hey, staying connected some way or another. And then the final one there is begin serving. Begin serving. That's one of the great ways to get connected as you serve alongside others in the church. And we have lots of opportunity here to do that. Um, so let's do that. And I'm going to be praying for you. I ask that you pray for me. And... Um, We'll walk with Jesus together. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you, God, that you love us so much and for your many blessings. We thank you for the free gift of salvation through your son, Jesus. And um, we pray as we enter this time of communion, Lord, that uh, um, our hearts would be in the right place and that uh, there's things we need to deal with that we do this morning. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.